This is the Poppin' Kernels Podcast with Kylie Ostendorf. So grab some salt and butter and settle in for Poppin' Kernels. Hello, everyone. This is the Poppin' Kernels podcast. I'm Kylie, and I have a special guest, Jeremiah Searles. One of my greatest friends and Husker legends is here to join me. Welcome, Jeremiah. Oh, thank you so much for having me. No, it's fun. I think that it's been, I think I did this podcast once <laughs> before when you guys were just getting started. Yeah. Um, but now it's good to be back after you guys have gotten a bit established. You've had some great guests on. I am by far one of the lower level of guests that <laughs> you guys have so. had on this show, but I'm very excited to be back. I'm super excited, and we owe Jeremiah because he was the first guest on our show, and we never got that out. It was on the cutting room floor. By the time we were putting out, it wasn't relevant anymore, so we've owed him this. I'm excited to talk with you. We are talking Husker football, what Jeremiah's been up to since leaving the sideline, talking a little NFL, what our Huskers and the NFL are doing week three, week two. Technically week two, but we can call it week three for the Huskers. How are you feeling about the Huskers? Not great. I mean, I think that I was on talking with Hale Varsity on the radio just the other day, and they asked me, like, how do you feel? I went, I was just, it's just very uncertain. You know, you look at this Husker team, and you look and you go, man, there's talent across the board, really. I mean, you look at guys like Trey Palmer, you look at guys like Casey Thompson, and you got Grant running the football, A.J. Allen, young talent, especially on the offensive side of the ball, and you're like, okay, where's the disconnect? What is missing? Mm-hmm. Like, why are we not dirt-stomping North Dakota? Yeah. You know, and so for me, it's just this uncertainty and uneasy feeling because when you play against a Week 0 opponent in Ireland, a Big Ten opponent, like, it can be more of a coin flip, right? And especially mm-hmm. when you're talking about a team that's like Northwestern. Pat Fitzgerald, one of the like most seeded coaches in the Big Ten, right? He gets to coach at Northwestern until he dies if he wants to. Got a culture put yep. in place. He knows exactly what his team is. Then you put on the flip side, you got Scott Frost with new staff, new players, new mm-hmm. everything, and then you go and take him on the road. And none of these guys have ever been on a bowl game on the Husker side, so they don't know what it's like to go on the road. Yeah, guys in Northwestern have been to a lot of bowl games, so I mean, I saw why that one was more of a coin flip. And I told mm-hmm. people I thought it was going to be more of a coin flip game, and it really came down to one turnover there at the end. This North Dakota game, though, man. It was worse. This was not This was not what I wanted to see. You take a big jump as a football team from week zero mm-hmm. or week one to week two, and we didn't. I mean, at times it looked like, man, this North Dakota team is kind of pushing us around up front. And luckily we were able to wear them down there towards the end, but that's just not going to cut it in Big Ten play. Not at all. With Northwestern, we always have a great game with them. It's usually like one Mm. score game for the last few years. I knew that was going to be a a toss-up with them, but North Dakota, even being in Memorial Stadium last Saturday, but it was like the most depressing game as far as a crowd. Like the crowd was just never into it. I think the loudest they were when it was like the Husker power chant at the beginning and just seeing that be as full as it is, it was eerie in a sense. And even when you look at the score... Looking back, what did we win? 37? We, we beat 21, 38 17. It didn't feel like that. No, not at all. At we, all. Were in a, we were in a nail biter going into the fourth <laughs> quarter against a powerhouse FCS program. Are you yeah. kidding me? That's not even a powerhouse FCS program. No. Like, if that's North Dakota State, 
They, we beat, lost. they beat us by 21. Oh, I've absolutely. watched North Dakota State. I mean, I represent a guy that played there. Like he, That is a good football team. And North Dakota got the brakes beat off of them last year by them. You know, so, mm-hmm. And you look at this team and you go, okay, where's the weaknesses? And the problem is the weaknesses are in our fronts. Yeah. The offense and the defensive line are the weaknesses of this football team. And I don't care if it's Pop Warner. I don't care if it's college. I don't care if it's the NFL. I don't care if it's the Sisters of the Deaf and Blind Club. Mm-hmm. If you don't have good fronts you just don't win football games you, yeah. you just can't i mean it's the old adage it starts in the trenches but it's the truth statement in football if you can't win in the trenches and you can't move people in the run game and you can't get to the quarterback in the pass game on defense you're just not going to win what do you see as positives from the huskers so far i mean i think the positive are the individual performances you know guys like trey palmer <clears throat> and then Vokalek before he got hurt in that northwestern game was playing mm-hmm. really good football and then Grant, obviously, a 200-yard rushing games. So you're looking at him and going, okay, there's there's positives on the individual sides. of We have some dudes. Yeah. Right? Like we have some dudes that can go out and make plays happen. Um, on the defensive side, you know, you see the O'Shawn Mathis kid had finally had a sack last week. You know, you see guys up front like Garrett Nelson, Caleb Tanner. The outside linebacker position, I think, is a really good, in a really good place for the Huskers. You know, but the problem is – I don't see any positives from like a whole, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's like you said, if Memorial Stadium and I didn't go to the game, but people told me it was like a morgue. Like yeah. this place is a morgue. Well, yeah. I think even if we beat, I think even if we beat North Dakota by forty, it still would have felt like that. Yeah, just based off of the performance, like everyone, the the season was going to be won or lost against Northwestern. And I hate saying that, and I hate being like, oh, it's yeah. weak. But, like, it's so true. And you talk to anyone around the state, you talk to anyone that's a Husker fan, they felt the same way. Mm-hmm. They felt like, hey, the season's going to be make or break in Ireland. And yep. it felt a little bit that way in Illinois last year. Yeah, and exactly. So it almost is like there was this hype, there was this build, there was this excitement. I mean, shoot, Kirk Herbstreet's <laughs> on ESPN, like, oh, they're going to win the West. And I'm like, come <laughs> on. And then all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden, it's like this immediate feeling of, oh, crap. Pain here we go again. And sorrow. Yeah. Oh crap! Here we go again. Same song and dance. And until we beat a quality team, that's gonna be the cloud that looms over Lincoln. Oh, absolutely. And these guys coming in this weekend, I think their quarterback had six touchdowns last game. Like well, he we, can throw the ball. Yeah, he can throw. I mean, he played for Buffalo last year. Kyle Van He came in here. He threw almost fifty pass attempts for the Husker or for the Buffalo last year. Mm-hmm. Granted, we got after him pretty good. We beat the crap out of Buffalo last year, which is good to see. You know, but they have a wideout who's got an NFL prospect. They have a DB who's an NFL prospect. They they got some dudes. Listen, the Georgia Southerns, the Southern Mississippis, these Southern lower level schools are all filled, and I mean filled with guys that should be playing at SEC type schools. Yeah, they just didn't have the grades, or they went the JUCO route, or whatever it is. Like these are the teams that if you fall asleep on. They have the guys that can wreck a game that are mm-hmm. going to be playing in the NFL next year. Yeah. So you can't sleep on these these Southern schools because they have athletes like crazy mm-hmm. on this team. Well, I think it's kind of like at UCF with Scott Frost when he was coaching there. They had so many ballers on that team, but there's reasons why they weren't at bigger schools. So you kind of have like these misfits who are trying to prove something. Just with Nebraska alone, teams get hyped to play us. They want to beat us more than anyone I feel like because it's Nebraska so when they come in here that's like their season is beating us in a sense and it's happened too many times that's the problem you can't find a lot of positives through two weeks you know and that's an issue I mean you should come out of the North Dakota game singing praises right like that was great this was great we had six sacks we had this our quarterback didn't put the ball on the ground once right like 
all these things and it's just like uh, and that's the problem that's the uneasiness of it all now yeah. yes it's not an adventure every time we line up to kick an extra point anymore fingers crossed but you just you, you know those are the things that's where we're at as a program yeah and that's frustrating we should not be at this point of a program in year five of scott frost regime i agree with you switching gears to tell us what you've been up to you were on the sideline last year mm -hmm. and now you have stepped away for your agency mm -hmm. i think a lot of people don't know that you are an agent and what you are doing. So fill people in on that. Yeah. So, you know, once in 2019, after I had my second pretty severe ankle surgery in a matter of three months, um, I was basically told that if I played football again, I could. But if I were to tear the tendon that I tore twice, they'd have to fuse my ankle. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I was 28 years old. My son was like two months old. Mm -hmm. And I eventually was just like, you know, the risk reward of playing is not worth not having a movable mobile ankle for the rest of my life. Yeah. So ultimately I retired in 19 and kind of started figuring out what's next in life. You know, for me, when I looked back on what am I going to miss about the NFL? Like, what is the things? It wasn't mm -hmm. the banging my head into another individual. <laughs> it wasn't the early morning grinding workouts. No, it was the mentorship. I loved being the older guy in the room and helping the younger guy. I loved mm -hmm. being the guy that grinded tape and put the film studies up and helped with the third down blitz cutout with the quarterbacks and all this stuff. Like I loved that. And so I thought about going into coaching and my wife very quickly was like, we're not doing that. Like yeah. you're, you're not working way more hours for much less pay for such an uncertain job of moving yeah. city to city. And I agreed, you know, thinking back on it more, that wasn't what I wanted to do. I was just kind of searching for what's next. Mm -hmm. Well, luckily, my agent, who was Chris Giddings, he was my agent my entire career. He approached me and was like, have you ever thought about becoming an agent? And mm -hmm. I really hadn't. He goes, it's all the things that you're talking about what you miss, but you get to select the players that you get to do that with. Yeah. And so I was going to take the test in 2020 to get certified as an agent exam. You have to take a test through the NFLPA. And it got canceled because of COVID and COVID ruined everything. <laughs> and so it got pushed until 2021. Ended up taking the exam in 2021, passing the exam. As of, I think, next week, I will be a certified agent for a full year. Yeah. So passed the exam. We got our first class put together last year. We had signed seven guys. Four guys made it in the NFL um, through draft weekend. We have two guys on rosters right now. We have Austin Allen from Nebraska here. Mm -hmm. He's on practice squad with the Giants. And then we had a fourth rounder from North Dakota State, Cordell Volson, who's actually going to be the left guard week one starter oh. for the Cincinnati Bengals. So Really good first year. Yeah. Uh, we're growing like crazy this second year. We've opened an O-line specific training facility in Minneapolis that's going to be partnered with Alex Boone. He played 10 years in the NFL for the San Francisco 49ers, the Vikings, Arizona, and Seattle, one of my best friends. He's the head trainer, partnered with Twin City Orthopedics, which is one of the largest orthopedic hospitals in the country. <laughs> They're going to build out the gym in their own facility. And so it's starting to grow, you know, and yeah. I'm starting to have a lot of success with it, which is why I did need to take a step back from the agents or from the sideline piece, mm -hmm. because traveling every weekend prepping, cause I wanted to do a good job for that. Yeah. I prepped a lot. I did a lot. Like I just needed to take a step back and really focus on growing my main business, which mm -hmm. will be my main source of income and my job yeah. going forward. So what has been the hardest thing becoming an agent for you? It's the recruiting. Yeah. Recruiting is tough because it's ultra competitive. So there's there's about 1,500 active NFL clients in a given year. Mm -hmm. There's over 750 registered agents. Now, probably 15 of those agents represent 30% of the yeah. NFL, being the big-time agencies, the CAAs, the Rep Ones, mm -hmm. the Sports Stars, like Select Sports, all those. So we're more of a smaller agency. And so when you come in and you're recruiting, 
there's certain things that you just can't do. I yeah. can't walk in and say, hey, you sign with me. I'm going to give you a hundred grand as a <laughs> signing bonus. But I just, that's not something we're at as a company. It's not something yeah. we also don't believe in, you know, but yeah. what the sell is, is like, there's myself, there's Chris Giddings, and then there's one other partner. His name is Zach Zenner. Mm-hmm. He played running back at South Dakota State. He actually came in here and ran all over us in 2012. He played five years in the NFL for the Lions, and he retired in 19. He's also a certified agent. So our pitch is a little different in the fact it's like, listen, we know where you want to go. Mm-hmm. We've been there. We were both undrafted free agent rookies that made the team and played and yeah. lasted five years and six years. So the pitch is let us help you go there. Let us help you get to where you need to be and let us help you show you the stuff that we stumbled upon and we stumbled through mm-hmm. in years three and four. And we're going to give that to you before you even walk in the door. Yeah. And so it's been really good, but you have to resonate with the right guys because mm-hmm. some guys want the agent that's going to show up in the flashy suit and drive the Lamborghini and oh, yeah. have the aviators on. And that's just not us, you know? Yeah. So it's been different. Recruiting's hard and we've won some really good recruiting battles against bigger agencies. But mm-hmm. I mean, we had a kick in the nuts the other day where I lost a kid that I felt so sure about that he was yeah. going to sign with us. It was a no brainer. And all of a sudden you get a text. that's like, Jeremiah, thanks for everything. I've gone in a different direction. And there's no recourse. There's yeah. no like, oh, oh wait. what happened? Yeah. Buddy, come back. Like, yeah. it's just like, well, best of luck moving forward. If anything happens, call me. Yeah. So is your agency unique in the fact that they're not just getting one agent? Essentially, they're getting three are most agencies like that, or is that kind of something special you guys offer? You know, most agencies are going to offer a support team, right? Mm-hmm. And so obviously we'll have a main point of contact, right? When for me, it'll probably be my old linemen, or, and the running backs, it'll be Zach or linebackers or whatever. Mm-hmm. But we are we are a three-headed animal. You know, we all have different experience that we bring to the table. Zach actually just finished his master's in nutrition, and he became a certified dietitian just to help our guys. Yeah. So he'll do all the supplement protocols and all the diet planning and all of that. And then Chris, the old wily vet, brings the 25 years of experience of there's nothing he hasn't seen, mm-hmm. right? And then you bring Zach and I, and there's only about eight former players that are certified agents, which is crazy to me. Yeah. I thought there'd be more. But, you know, so Zach and I bring this very unique perspective of we're fresh out of the league. We still have a ton of connections, whether it's coaches, GMs, mm-hmm. players, that <clears throat> we still have all these connections that we really feel like for the right guys that resonate with us, we're the best agents there are out there. Yeah. And that might be a little bit of our competitive spirit in us, but you know, that's just really what we believe in because we do all do this together and really put forth for our clients the best we can. Yeah. Well, you have to have that attitude being confident and you're going to get these players and get them to where they need to be. Talking about your experience and all the connections that you know, watching the Thursday night football game last mm. night, uh, former Bill here. What did you think? Oh my gosh, the Bills are going to be a problem. Yeah, The Bills are going to be a problem. They turned the ball over four times and still won by 21 points. That does not happen (laughs) in the NFL. It just doesn't happen. I mean, you look at that defense from a year ago for the Buffalo Bills, and they were already the best. Yeah, and then you go, oh, hey, we're adding one of the greatest pass rushers of the last decade. He yep. had two sacks alone last night. I mean, seven. I think they had seven sacks. <laughs> seven last sacks. Night. Yeah. Seven sacks in a home opener. That's not against a... the Super Bowl champs. Now, granted, <laughs> the Super Bowl champs have lost a lot. Yeah. I think everyone kind of loves to say, "Oh, they're going to repeat. They're going to do this." But whenever a team wins a Super Bowl, that team gets poached in yeah. a big way because everyone wants to be. This guy helped them make the Super Bowl run. Mm-hmm. Let's get him on our team to help make the run. Let's get him. I mean, like Vaughn. Like Vaughn, right? Yeah. You bring Vaughn out of there. They lose Leonard Floyd off of the edge. You know They lose all-pro, all-Hall of Fame, left tackle, Andrew Whitworth. Right? Mm-hmm. You lose 
Odell Beckham to injury. You know, there's a lot of things where that team does not look the it's same. It's not the same team. It's not the yeah. same team. Now, granted, everyone, the biggest overreactions in the NFL are always week one. Well, always. just like with us, week zero, we were on the biggest stage. We were the only game that day. So same with last year. Like, we've just had these two week zero losses where there's nothing else to talk about but that game. You know, that team is by far the best team in the NFL so far. Yeah. So are you close with any of those guys still? Well, so Case Keenum was actually one of my best friends who's the backup mm-hmm. quarterback for Buffalo. He was our starting quarterback in Minnesota in 2017 yeah. when we went on the NFC Championship run. So him and Diggs I know real well. Um, I still know Ike Bucker. He plays on the offensive line. I know him really well. And then I shot Josh a text. You know, him and he, it was funny, like a year ago, I got a random text from him, and it was a, the bottle of wine that I got him for Christmas in 2019. <laughs> And he's like, drinking your wine tonight, buddy. Like, miss you. And like, oh, that's just, that. that was just a really cool thing to get from him, you know, mm-hmm. because he was just a young pup when I was there. I mean, it was his yeah. rookie year. Um, my favorite Josh Allen story is I don't know if you remember, but so Christmas time, 2018, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen are both rookies. Sam Darnold's with okay. the Jets, Josh Allen's with the Bills. Sam Darnold got his offensive line for Christmas grill tools. And I, I mean, like, tongs and spatula. That's a terrible accessories. gift. Yeah, not a, not a grill yes. to go with it. Like, yeah. grill accessories. Terrible gift. This now, is a girl podcast. It's accessories. Hey, Spencer, Long, <laughs> Spencer Long, one of my good friends, was on the team with the Jets at the time. The O-line was so pissed, they went out and put Sam Darnold's car up on blocks. Oh, like, and gosh. took pictures with it. So I'll never forget, Josh grabs me in the locker room. And we're sitting there, and he's like, Jeremiah, come here, come here, come here, come here. <laughs> I was like, what's up, buddy? He's like, so I got the offensive line, iPad Pros. I got you all iPad Pros. They're the big mm. ones. Like, is that a good enough gift? Like, you guys aren't going to put my Range Rover on block, are you? <laughs> and I was like, no, Josh, that's a perfectly good gift. Yes. Like, that is completely fine. Like, that's that's a good gift. You know? Yeah. And, and so, like, it was just he he wanted to be – he wanted to care, but he also was a kid. He yeah. was, like, 22 years old. Yeah. You know, and sometimes you people forget you draft these quarterbacks in the first round. Like, you're turning over the keys to billion-dollar franchises to a 22-year-old and being like, hey, yeah. don't wreck it. And Josh has done a phenomenal job of taking that helm and, and becoming, I mean, a leading MVP candidate. Yeah. So what's, like, the best offensive lineman gift you got? Uh, Philip Rivers, when I was a rookie, got me a Breitling watch. Okay. So very, very nice watch that he got all of his offensive linemen. Um, and then I got an iPad from Sam Bradford. I got it's not a, quite barbecue accessories. No, 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 no. I got an iPad from... Uh, I got an iPad from Josh, and I got a shotgun from Case Keenum, which oh, okay. is probably my favorite gift. It's right he, up he your got, alley. He got all his offensive linemen engraved shotguns, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, that's super cool and personal. That's right up your alley. Mm, oh, absolutely. Killed a lot of birds with that shotgun. <laughs> Do you still have it? Absolutely. Yeah. Gold-plated Remington 1870. Oh. <laughs> and you take it out? It's not like one that you no. hang up on the wall? Guns are meant to be shot. I'm not a believer in like, oh, I'm a collector. No. Guns are meant to be shot. They're meant to be used. Like... You create memories with yeah. them. Like that's I'm a believer in that. And that's like a special gun to go shooting with. Yeah, yeah. And it's a it's a story. It's uh someone asks you about it and you talk about it and it brings up a bunch of stuff. Like it's just a fun thing. Now, granted, it's heavier than hell, but you know, it's fun it's fun to lug around. I've actually shot shotgun before. It's impressive for Look a Vegas you. girl. Look at yes. you. And I didn't what is it called when it like cocks back? That's a shotgun, Recoil? right? Where it could like Give you bruises on your shoulder. I mean, that's any gun. It's not called cocksback. What is I it called? I have no idea what you are talking like about. Like when you you shoot it and it backfire or like whatever. I'm I'm not from the Midwest. Apparently, there's a name for it. I don't know what you're. You talking about. You have to know. I I don't have any clue what you're talking about. 
You shoot a are gun. Are you being serious? I'm or being dead serious. No, I'm being me dead a hard time. You shoot a gun and you lean into it and like, yeah. It, it, there's it, a name for it. It's not just showing someone the motion of what it is. A name. I mean, kickback or something. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> I don't I know. I have no idea what you're talking about. I swear there's a name for it. You you figure that out because I'll I have, let you know. I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, I'm sure you would know if it is a thing, but great story. Thank you for sharing. Can you give an update on Austin? Yeah, you know, so Austin is on the practice squad for the New York Giants. Um, he went undrafted, which was very much a surprise to both myself yeah. and my partners. This tight end class was very strange. I mean, this class alone was double the normal draft class because of the COVID year. Mm -hmm. And the tight end class in this class specifically was loaded in the bottom. Now, mm -hmm. there was like two tight ends or three tight ends that you knew were going to be second or third or fourth round picks. But after that, it was just kind of a crapshoot as far as like who's going to go where. I mean, the fact that the Minnesota tight end, Keefe got drafted by the, the Buccaneers blows my mind. I didn't mm -hmm. think that like, he was going to get drafted. Yeah. You know, but... Austin's such a specialty tight end, right? Not every yeah. team wants a 6'8", 255-pied tight end. Teams just don't either love it or hate it, you know? So he had a really good preseason, balled really well. He had a lot of teams that were possibly wanting to bring him on their practice squad, but the mm -hmm. Giants wanted to keep him there. Um, and you always want to try and keep guys where they're comfortable, where they know the playbook, especially as yeah. rookies. Um, so, you know, I think that he has a really good opportunity where, if like we talked about, guys get dinged up, guys yeah. get injured for a week or two, he'll get brought up and hopefully he gets a chance to come up and do his thing and work his way onto the active roster. In the preseason, just watching him play, he excelled every week. Mm -hmm. The last game, he scored a touchdown, mm -hmm. right? Yep. People think if you start on practice squad, like, oh, no, it's like, a lot of guys' careers so start you on practice. Did, yeah, right? I, mean, I start on practice. There's a lot of guys who staying in the league is the hardest part. Just yeah. staying in, right? I mean, as soon as you're out, you're viewed as out. Like, and yeah. you're, you're always going to be clawing. But if you can just stick around in the league, like that's 20 to 70% of the battle, depending on where you're at and what position you play. Yeah. So how many times were you on the practice squad? Just with the Chargers? Yep. or Just once. So yeah. I was on the practice squad from week one to week 12. I got activated onto the active roster week 12, and then I was on active roster the rest of my career. Yeah. That's awesome. It was fun. It was fun. I miss it a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, you miss it. That's okay, though. Like, I I miss parts of it. I miss college. Yeah, but like, <laughs> this, like I miss, like, okay, it's probably much like you miss your friends and having yeah. that camaraderie. And I miss the cold tubs at 6 a.m. with the boys and the yeah. sauna and the plane trips playing cards. Like, I don't miss Wednesday practice. Like, yeah. I don't miss Wednesday of week 11 where my body feels like literal dog crap. Yeah. And you're just taping yourself together to limp through till Sunday. Like, I don't miss that. But I do miss what was cool of... Like, the brotherhood. Being in a locker yeah. room with 53 guys from 53 different walks of life. Mm -hmm. And everyone being able to put all their crap aside and focus on a common goal of winning is one of the coolest yeah. things I've ever done. Yeah. That gave me the chills. It's I so fun. It. It's yeah. like... And that's... And I'm still in that world a little bit, right? I still get to oh, help definitely. my... I get to help my clients navigate that, which is what's really fun for me, too. Well, in a sense, you are a coach coaching them through their career. But as an agent, you have that friend relationship, mm -hmm. too, to where like, if you were a coach, you can't really be friends in that way. It's a perfect role for you. You're so personable with all the people in your life. And to be able to connect with players from here on for years, you're definitely in the right spot. Yeah, you know, I, and that's a piece of it is like the mentorship piece. You know, it's like, hey, mm -hmm. if you're having a bad day in camp, like call me because I've, yeah. I've probably been there. Yeah. You know, but there's also there's also the side of me that I'm learning more of of like telling guys when it's time to be like, hey man, it's time to sack up a little bit. Yeah. You know, like this is the NFL. 
You know, yeah. like if you're dinged, you're dinged. But if you don't practice, you're not going to make the team. Yeah. You know, like having tough conversations is something that's part of my job, too, because I tell these kids in every meeting, I will not lie to you and I will not lie for you. Yeah. Like and that's part of me holding up my end is I can't just always sing sunshines and rainbows. Like if things aren't <laughs> going well, it's my job to tell them that because I can't take a rep for them. Yeah. I can't go take a pass set. I can't go block some freaking giant off the edge anymore. Like. I can only do so much, but that part of me just being real with them, which I think there's a lack of that. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of agents that'll just be like, oh, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And then when things go wrong, it's like, what the hell happened? Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't ever want to be known as that. Or just blindsiding people. You need to be real with them and tell them where they're at. So mm-hmm. You're probably going to get mad at me for asking about this, but did you watch the Manti Teo documentary? No. You haven't watched it. I have not. You need to watch it because I know listeners, lots of people have watched it. It's absolutely insane. Right when you think it's getting as crazy as it gets, then they just drop another bomb on you. You played with him, correct? I, yep, I played with him so, for two years. So for two years. I think if you watch it and then you'll see him talk about those two years that he was with the Chargers, it might yeah, no, to, yeah. I, it's uh, You're not the first one that's told me I have to yeah. watch that. There's a lot you of people to that told me it. I need to watch it. So I will watch it at some point in time. Um don't know when but i do i do need to take a peek at that when you were at the chargers i feel like you were just with all these netflix documentary people because you were with colton underwood Mm -hmm. right and now who by the way i called that he was gay (laughs) way before it happened i'm just gonna say that i thought there's a few of us i won't name names on the team but there was a few of us when he told us all and this (laughs) i might get myself in trouble for this but when he told us all that like he was a virgin and that, like, we asked him, we're like, okay, why? And he's like, I don't know, just, and we're like, are you religious? Are you saving it for marriage? Yeah. Like, and he was just like, no, I'm just, I'm just, doing I'm just it. not doing it. Yeah, there not doing it. There many people that were like, I think hmm. he might be gay. Yeah. And it wasn't a problem. No one yeah. was like, oh, like, it was just like in the back of your mind. It's yeah. Like, I'll never forget. The, and then he did The Bachelor. And I was like, there's no way. I was like, there's Ugh, no. That's so crazy. There's no way. <laughs> and so then when the day he came out and announced that he was gay, I had people texting me that I haven't talked to in years from the Chargers. And I was like, we freaking knew it. I was like, we called it and we knew it. And it was just strange. But yeah, Colton was on that team. I mean, I got to play with Antonio Gates. I got to play with Dwight Mm -hmm. Freeney, uh, Philip Rivers, Malcolm Floyd. I mean, I got to play with some really, Manti Teo. I got to play with some really cool guys when I was in San Diego. Yeah. And being in San Diego was was not that bad San Diego was awesome. I would hate to live in L.A. Oh, that made oh. me want to kill myself. But San Diego, that was fun. Lived right on Pacific Beach. Yeah. I had a great time. Vodka Red Bull slushies at PB. Short Club. PB yep. Short Club. RIP. I need one of those. It's closed? For me. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm sure you'll go back sometime. Yeah. Two kids make that a little tougher. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I could even drink one of those anymore because you're just like freaking jacked. Oh, there's a few times you laid in bed at night, you're like, mm, that last one was a poor decision. The worst thing about vodka Red Bull is like, you're, I like to start the night with it, but then it's like, oh, I'll get another one. Like, you need to stop at one, and then you wake up in the morning, and you're like, wow, I had eight vodka Red Bulls, mm-hmm. and I feel like I'm going to die. No, I agree. I start with them, and I usually try and go to soda water. It's soda so water, hard vodka. to change. I usually try and go soda water vodka after I get one or two of those in me. And then old fashioned. Those are the old fashions are just if I'm just chilling. If I'm just chilling, enjoying a night, like I'll do either whiskey neat or an old fashioned. Yeah. Like if I go somewhere that has a signature cocktail, old fashioned. 
obviously. I will obviously get that. Um, I've started drinking a little more gin and tonics. I love gin I and like tonics. I like Hendrix gin right now. It's kind of mm-hmm. my kind of my go-to. I love Hendrix gin with a little little tonic mm-hmm. with lime. So that's really nice. But yeah, come wintertime, it's mostly whiskey just to keep you warm. So what's your top three alcoholic beverages? Bush Light, number one. Um, number two would be an Old Fashioned with Knob Creek. Um, and number three would have to probably just be, honestly, I'm going I'm to go with a screwdriver with Fresh Street. Oh, we're with, a Vodka Red Bull? Mm-hmm. Vodka I'm Red Bull is an occasional, like. It's still top tier. No, 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 yes. no, no, no. Are we talking top tier drinks or top tier, like, party drinks? Well, there we is could a, do both. There is we a definite difference. Okay. So top three, just drinks. Yeah. Bush Light. Cold Bush Light after you mowed That's your lawn. Cold Bush Light after you mowed your lawn. Nothing better. Old Nothing fashioned. Nothing better. And then we're going to go with the vodka with fresh squeezed orange juice. Like that's fresh squeezed, fresh squeezed, fresh orange juice with a nice vodka in it is a great way to start the day. If you're on the beach in Mexico. Anywhere. Anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere. I like that better than a mimosa. I'm not really a champagne person. I hate champagne. But I feel like if someone, yeah, I like wine. Okay, so top three party drinks. No, you have to go with your top three. Oh, okay. We, My- I'm not just, I'm not just getting grilled here. You have <laughs> well, to contribute to the conversation. Okay, just regular top three drinks for me. I love a vodka Red Bull, but that'll be like on my party drink and my regular drink. I love a good cold beer and a frozen mug. I like 805. I've been drinking a lot of Modelo. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put Modelo at number one. You're shaking your head like, yes. I like Modelo's. Yeah, in a cold glass, though. That's like nothing better after I mow the lawn Mm, in Las Vegas. Uh It's just great. And then number two, tequila. I love tequila margaritas. That might be number one, honestly. But I just like the buzz you get off tequila. It's a little different. Everybody's in a good mood. And number three... This is hard. I feel like I just drink like beer, tequila, or vodka Red Bulls. Well, there you go. There's three. <laughs> Correct. That Correct. would be three. Okay, now party drinks for you. All right, party drinks. Does it include shots? It does include like it your does fa- include it shots? does like your favorite shot. Oh, I'm like not a, a Vegas I'm not bomb. A shot guy. I'm not a big shot guy. I'm just I'm not. I mean, number one is obviously a vodka Red Bull, sugar free though. It's got to be sugar free. Sugar, the sugar from the Red Bull will eat my stomach faster than anything. So number one, 100% a vodka with a sugar-free Red Bull. Um, number two is probably going to have to be, uh, honestly, like it's probably just going to be a double vodka soda. Like a double vodka soda with lime is going to be a numbered white because you can just hammer them. Yeah. Like you just, they go down really smooth. And if you're trying to get after it, like, that's a I good feel way like to go. you take a vodka soda and you crush it like a shot. Exactly. That might that's be the, that's why you're thing. not like, into shots. Right. I'm not into shots because I'd, I'd just rather drink cold vodka and soda and take the bite out a little bit. And then my last party drink is going to have to be I mean, it's if you're going to shoot it, you got to shoot tequila. Like if you're going to shoot yeah. it, then you just shoot tequila or you have some port in your mouth and you just keep <laughs> going. Like that's those are, those are the party drinks if you're going to. Okay. I haven't partied like that in a long time, I will say. But. When I do let loose and go a little bit, then those are the those are the go tos. Okay, so you have vodka Red Bull, vodka soda, tequila shots. Yes, I would say vodka Red Bull number one party drink. Like if I get to the club, first drink 
vodka Red Bull hits so good. And then Vegas bombs. My family loves to do Vegas bombs. We used to do Vegas bombs before every Husker game at the embassy, like as a tradition, but obviously we're not winning. So we kind of just stopped doing that. But it's kind of the same as a vodka Red Bull because it has... Red Bull and Crown and all the things. And my third party drink would be probably tequila shots Mm -hmm. or any type of tequila. Because, like I said, tequila is just like a party. It's a vibe. It's a vibe. I mean, you you could throw a bush light in there for me on any of those, too, because you can just crush those at an absolute ridiculous rate if you need to. And if I'm poor and paying for my own drinks, an adios, motherfucker. Have you ever had one? Yes, I have. It's very much like a Vegas drink. All my drinks are like you're clear. You clearly live clearly close live to the strip. Close to a club. Yes. But I don't. I don't remember the last time I went to the club because I had too many vodka Red Bulls. I guess. There you go. But okay, that was fun. We have started the show before every guest has a confession. I don't know Jeremiah's confession. Do you have one? I can. I can. No. I can see, come up with one. It has to be something good. Uh. Every show ends with one. Do you have to do one or do I yeah. just have to do one? Yeah, I'm not just grilling you the whole time. Yes, you are. He's <laughs> over here just killing me. Uh, you go first and then I'll finish up. Give me a second here. Let me think. The last time when you were on it, it was that you don't like Runza, don't like Runza. and I don't like Runza either. But that's not our confession because we're just smart and we don't like Runza. I got one. Okay, I got one. All right. So for my confession for this week, um, I am leaving on a 10-day elk hunt. On Sunday. (laughs) Listen, listen. Okay. Hang in there. I have zero remorse about missing the Oklahoma Nebraska game. There is nothing in my soul, in my heart, that's like, man, I wish I was sitting in Memorial Stadium for Nebraska versus Oklahoma. Well, you don't do that anyways. But but, but even like, there's nothing that's like, a year ago, I was upset that I missed it. And I went on my hunting trip and I I went with, because I, but like, there was a part of me that was sitting there listening to the game like, man, I wish I was there. Yeah. This year, there's just not. Yeah. There's nothing inside of me that's like, man, I should be there. Yeah. In any capacity, as a fan, as a reporter, as an analyst. And that's scary for me because yeah. if I'm thinking that former player, like that means we're losing a lot of fans. A lot and of a lot fans. of younger generation fans that just don't yeah. bleed Husker Red anymore. And I think that's a problem and that's yeah, that's my confession for the week. Um well you just like we're so good and everyone's gonna be listening and happy to hear from you and then you're just gonna crush their heart by saying that. You wanted a confession, there it is. Okay, that's good confession. Do you feel like it would be different if we were three and or three and going? Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. If we beat Northwestern, we dog stop North Dakota and I feel confident going into this week, completely different. But yeah. I just I don't have any confidence in this team right now. Yeah. And that's sad, but I, I I don't think I could sit there and watch Oklahoma beat the crap out of us and be okay. I'm not well, saying that's going to happen. Yeah. But in my mind, I, I just think it is. I feel like yeah. that's more of the arrow that direction is pointed versus the other direction. And I don't I don't want to be angry. Yeah. I don't want to be upset. Yeah. Like last year I was I was visibly upset a lot mm-hmm. last year after Husker games. I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. I don't have the time. I I can't do it anymore. Yeah. I agree with that can't do it do you feel like if we win then you'll be like oh man yeah obviously i'll fomo yeah. if we win yeah. like but again 10 percent fomo 90 percent really excited to go shoot a bull elk on the mountains in colorado somewhere. yeah that's better i'm guessing for you is getting an elk than oh yeah <laughs> beating with Oklahoma. dad and the friends and i can't wait 
Yeah. Cannot wait. I really hope you shoot an elk. Me too. And get the kickback from the gun when you it do it. And you'll be bow, like, oh, okay. Fine. Yeah. Shows what I know. My confession is Backfire just... Backfire is <gasps> the word you might be looking yes! for. Yes. Yes. That's a good word, yeah. Backfire? I don't know. I, I don't still think... think there's an actual term because when I shot the shotgun in Fall City, Nebraska, that was talked about that you had to like hold your arm stiff, your shoulder stiff because of that. But my confession is more of just an announcement, but Meg is not here. I miss her dearly. This podcast, I originally started it to be a woman's voice in Husker sports, and I'm super passionate about it. Everyone in my family tells me that I light up when I talk about this podcast, so the show must roll on. Um, We hope that Megan will come back and be a part of it, but I'm thankful for everyone that has listened so far, and I hope you continue to listen. That's not the best confession, but I know you guys wanted an update, so... That's that. Yeah, I mean, hopefully she can come back. I've heard yeah. you guys' episodes. You guys absolutely crush it. But, you know, regardless of what direction she heads professionally, I think that you absolutely do a great job on this mm. show. Thank and you. so definitely do not just let it fall. Just yeah. Keep it rolling. I'm super excited. So we're going to have some more shows coming up. Priscilla Joseph is going to come on. And thank you, Jeremiah, for coming on for a second time. I appreciate you. And thanks for listening. Absolutely. Go Big Red. Go Big Red.